Investigators listened to the story she spun. However, cutting-edge technology revealed what really happened to the missing supermom from Northern California. The tale she wove unraveled quickly, and she would soon finally face consequences. This week's episode is Sherry Papini, Part 2. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. I have since watched Gone Girl. Oh, did since you? The last episode. <laughs> I told you I'd been wanting to watch it. I actually went to watch it. It's not on Netflix or Hulu. So I had to buy it from Amazon Prime. But in my searching for it, I ran across the woman in the window, which I had not seen before. So I instead I watched that first because it was on Netflix. Not that great. And then Which, who's in that one? Amy Adams, okay, who yeah, I yeah. love. It's I don't know. It may have been because I kept having to pause it and come back to it, which you kind of lose something when you do that. Um, it was also based on a book, but mm. it was fine. But then I bit the bullet and I bought the. Um, I rented it for three ninety nine, and because I hadn't seen, it, I didn't realize it came out in I think twenty fourteen. So it had been a minute. It's Ben Affleck, and I cannot remember the female lead rosemary something maybe but i'll tell you a lot of similarities maybe somebody's watching a crime movie as she she calls it her crime shows mm-hmm. watching a crime movie and getting inspired somehow perhaps yeah something like that but uh we've got we've gotten quite a response from this a lot of folks saying i need part two right now well it's not right now but it's coming so here it is <laughs> we're um, recording it right just, now you shall have it in two days it's as soon as possible uh but also just people who shared the sentiment of uh this lady sucks <laughs> yeah sucks. yeah i other than her family i have not seen anybody that says to the contrary yeah, I mean, it, absent we find something out later, you know, she's got some type of mental health struggle she's going through or whatever. But the problem is, as we said in the last one, when she talks about, well, I have a heart murmur, we'll I have this, we'll I have this, we'll I have this. When you start changing your story so many times, no matter what explanation she comes up with, I think her credibility is shot. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be hard to garner any type of sympathy. And based upon what she has done and all of the stuff we're going to go through today, uh, I don't have any sympathy for her. I feel bad for the husband, but uh, I don't have yeah, sympathy for her. Um, I, I could be wrong, and if it comes out, I'll eat my words. I don't think Keith knew about it. That's my opinion, but I'll we'll let you, dear listeners, decide what you think he did and did not know. Mm-hmm. And in the show notes, we also have links to uh, the 2020 interview with him, and I have since watched that. And like you said, if that is fake, maybe he should get an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, he because- should. 
It was very impressive. Yeah. Before we get going, though, uh, we have uh, were apologized for not thanking you sooner, but Megan Pulliam Stevens on Instagram had sent this to us previously, and then Sarah R. had posted about it in our Facebook group previously uh, when, you know, some more information had come out, and then we were, now there's a new thread discussing this episode and discussing various folks' insider info. Yeah, on, a couple uh, Sherry people that went to school with her. So we're getting some insider info on that Patreon Facebook group. Yes, another correction. Her high school was in Shasta Lake, not Ceres. Apparently, when I Googled it, Central Valley High School, California, it came up in Ceres, but I guess there's two because one. There's two of them. Yeah, so. uh, The Ceres version has higher SEO. They're working the website better. I don't know. Well, you know what? Good for you, uh, Shasta Lake. You need to get on it. I have a feeling you're going to get bumped up now. Yeah. I think you're in the news a lot more now than you ever have been. I think so. And before my uh, high school geography teacher, I apologize. I don't know if he listens, but I said that uh, I was like, Reading, maybe it's north, maybe it's south of San Francisco. Who knows? Listen, guys, we got maps. We have access to maps nowadays. I yeah. looked it up. Reading is 247 miles north of San Francisco. Okay. So that was vital as one of the... Uh, people that was initially interviewed in the uh, investigation early on had traveled to San Francisco but did not make it up to Reading. So uh, uh, just want to clarify. That's That makes sense. So, yes, it would have been impossible for him to have seen her being that far away. Yeah. This is, a, a you know, just to segue into something more fun and lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys have heard me talk about my wonderful neighbors yeah, for well- – Two years now. And Heather's very jealous of my wonderful neighbors and how they bring us baked goods and how Keith, one of them, is a phenomenal chef. He's worked at like critically acclaimed restaurants like Michelin star restaurants. He's so great. He's such an amazing pastry chef. For two years, we've been like his guinea pigs because he's been wanting to launch his own business And we have received so many delicious, amazing baked goods. Well, now it is up and running. Well, you can go to quichebakery.com and place your order. His menu changes weekly. I'm going to tell you guys, first of all, he delivers it for a small delivery fee. And he, I think he's up to like six zip codes right now. This food, these goods are better than... Anything you can get at like a pastry shop, and it's so they're so much less expensive. It's quichebakery.com. Pastries and Savories by Keith Sedatal. Keith's Epic Eastside House bringing Dallas a Texan bakerant with a French twist. So basically, each week he bakes like these amazing goods, and then he will deliver them to you. The pastry box, dude, we get it every week. It's these, um, you, it's like cinnamon rolls muffins, uh, quiches. So it's very fun. He makes these amazing quiches. And because his name is Keith, it's a play on word. This week's, it was um, salmon, lox, and dill quiche. It was, I can't even tell you. It's amazing. He's doing some Easter specials. He brought us um, one of them today as just to say thanks, a pineapple upside down carrot cake. It was insane. So um, if you're in East Dallas, go to quichebakery.com. Check him out. Order some stuff. You will not be disappointed. I promise you. He is phenomenal. Just had to... I'm, I've been raving about his baking skills for two years. Now everyone, can, most people, 
into East Dallas. <laughs> Not everyone. Not a lot everyone. of people can now a tiny, experience tiny it. Tiny amount. And maybe you gotta... someday he can figure out how to ship it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That milk cake or whatever people do that. So mm-hmm. maybe that'll be if the fruit cake people and Corsicana can, can do it. I believe can. in quiche. Yeah. Or you befriend someone in East Dallas. You get them <laughs> to order it, and then you just go pick it up from their house. And you can hang out together. Yeah, and eat cake. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's he has so many amazing things. So. Just wanted to to mention that before we get into the episode. But um, yeah, so thank you to Keith for all of our delicious goodies. And thank you to Megan and Sarah for letting us know about this wild, wild case. There's so many things we're going to uncover today. We got a lot of messages that were like, I yelled no when you said that cliffhanger at the end of last week. Even Tommy listened and said that was a really good episode. I really wanted part two to come out. And I said, I can tell you what happened. And he said, nope, I'm going to wait for it to come out. So Love it. <laughs> we all well, waited and now here it is. Yeah. I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. After three harrowing weeks, Sherry Papini had been returned to her family and friends. She was bruised, battered, and traumatized. But she was alive and that was all that mattered to her loved ones, especially her husband, Keith Papini. They desperately wanted to find the two Hispanic women that Sherry said was responsible for her kidnapping and torture. Armed with detailed descriptions of the supposed crime and sketches of the abductors, police searched for Sherry's captors for three years. Time and time again, they came up empty-handed. Then, they got a break. I like in a case like this where it's kind of been ongoing for a few years, go back and do... Google searches in short, like, time frames. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't much, maybe three months, a month, two months, three months after she came back, that the New York Post or maybe online blogs or Reddit, people started going, she kidnapped herself. Mm-hmm. I think she did this to herself. Or she, I, I know a friend who knows a friend who told me that this was an inside job. The Papini family would then come out and say, this is victim blaming and it's worse. This is horrifying. But once those threads started to pull and then the media started going, well, we have these old 911 calls or we have this. So it was I because we, you know, just started covering this case now, I was interested to see that it wasn't she wasn't Little Miss Perfect from right when she got dropped off back at home. She, you know, the 2020 some Good Morning America coverage. But other than that, then after, you know, kind of people forgot about it, we're going, well, have we found those people yet? But there was like interviews with the sheriff going, we're not saying she was abducted. We're saying we're following the Mm -hmm. lead. So it was very interesting that from her perspective, she shouldn't have been blindsided. Right, right. No, yeah. You mean like years later? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. On September 26, 2019, Shasta County detectives requested assistance from the California Department of Justice to use familial DNA to identify the male contributor on Sherry's sweats. On March 19, 2020, the contributor was identified. He was one of Sherry's ex-boyfriends, James Reyes. His brother's social media pages showed a coffee table exactly like the one Sherry had described being branded on, the same table that her husband had called in to report. In July of 2020, Investigators confirmed Reyes's identity using a discarded Honest Honey Green Tea bottle found in a trash can outside his house. Tea bottle, did you in? That's a uh, Golden State Killer style. Once it's on reason? your curb, it's it's open game, baby. Mm-hmm. On August 10th, 2020, 
The FBI interviewed James Reyes. Immediately, he confessed that he had helped Sherry run away. He claimed he helped because she was a good friend. And she had told him that her husband was beating and raping her and she was trying to escape, according to the FBI. Sherry told her ex-boyfriend that she had filed police reports, but that the police were not doing anything. A subsequent investigation showed no police reports had been filed by Sherry against her husband. This is another situation where this Keith fella has really stood by her. Yeah. And what a shitbag that she used him if true, you know, if it's if the FBI affidavit is true that she lied about him uh, severely abusing mm-hmm. her. I don't know how I would be able to continue standing by someone that had had said those such egregious things about me. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, he, like we've said in the, all of the interviews and once she comes back, he is just beside himself. He's beside himself while she's missing too. And then you're so happy she's back and you're the only one she'll talk to in these police investigations. He's having to do the interviews because she doesn't trust law enforcement. But then all of a sudden the FBI tells you, well, you know, she was at her ex's. And uh, it's because she said you're beating and raping her. Yeah. I mean, yeah. gut punch. Yeah. Like I said, you. I mean, you look like an idiot. Yeah. And I imagine you feel you've stood by. some type of way, too. Yeah, you feel like you've had the wool pulled over your eyes. I yeah. mean, granted, you know, you got kids. It's a, you know, you know, do whatever's in the best interest of your kids. But also, to everybody that's watching, following the case, she was, as the court TV uh pundit who i loved said you you don't have to fake a kidnapping to step out if you're trying to step right. on your husband step on your husband don't involve law enforcement yeah yeah and don't involve don't make these uh horrible racial stereotype claims too that are per- perpetuating like uh, racial stereotypes it's a whole missing white woman syndrome and everything she I, I for keith i would feel so hurt betrayed angry embarrassed like all the like now you're like having to tell like friends and family like no I didn't do this I promise unless something comes out to the contrary but the facts that we have now does nothing points to that yeah Sherry had known Reyes since the two were teenagers around 13 or 14 years old they had been romantic for a while and were even engaged but they broke up around 2006 the two eventually lost touch because as Reyes said She got married. She had kids. They had not been in contact until 2015 when he found a box of photos and things that belonged to Sherry from when they had dated. He mailed the box to her parents and then later Sherry contacted him. So if she knew Keith and she was in eighth grade and Keith was in seventh grade and then she knew Reyes when they were 13 or 14 years old. Stands to reason maybe they all knew each other. Some type of overlap. Mm Mm-hmm. In that initial call in 2015. She kind of laid out the situation. Reyes told the FBI. Sherry had saved money and wanted to send it to her ex for safekeeping as she planned her escape. She instructed that the pair each get a prepaid cell phone to communicate with one another. They bought the phones in December of 2015 and used them primarily to contact one another. So she had thoughts of running off at least as far back as December of 2015. Sure, yes. and Nearly a year. Who knows how long she had been thinking about that before she involved Reyes. Mm -hmm. She, maybe she saw an opening. She said, Oh, 
I hadn't thought about him in a while, but he she gets these things. She starts looking through the pictures. You feel some type of way. Take a stroll down memory lane. In the summer of 2016, Reyes let Sherry know during one of their talks that he had recently been in the hospital. In response, Sherry mailed him a care package after he was released. Inside, there was a piece of paper letting him know the location of where he was to pick her up after she eventually escaped from her home that she shared with her husband, Keith, and their children. So again, that was she fakes the missing in November. This was back in the summer. She had already started to plot the specifics of where to be taken from. Also, you get a care package. You go, wow, Sherry's really thoughtful. She sent me a care package when I got out of the hospital. And you open it, you go, oh, she wants a favor. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. And not, I mean, a favor is asking to be taken to the airport. This is next level. Absolutely. In advance of his nearly 600-mile trip from his apartment in Costa Mesa, California, Reyes had a friend rent a car for him on October 31, 2016. He failed to specify a preferred maker model, and his friend returned with a dark-colored Dodge Challenger. Early in the day on November 2nd, Sherry's ex-boyfriend headed out to pick her up, he conceded to investigators. There could have been a better plan. And admitted to the FBI that the two hadn't spent much time on planning. I mean, it seems from his version that she's sort of barking orders at him, saying, be here this time at this date. Also, I love that he just goes, hey, get me a car. And his friend's like, run, run, got you a challenge. You'll get there real fast. <laughs> hey, get me a, a car that kind of just blends in with everything. <laughs> okay, you want the Alrighty. loudest car that's made. Gotcha. Yeah. After driving the Challenger from Southern California up to Redding, he waited at a Starbucks for further instructions. Sherry texted Reyes's prepaid cell phone, and he picked her up on what he recalled as... Old something road. Sherry's phone was later found off Old Oregon Trail in Sunset Drive. Sherry laid down in the back seat of the Challenger for the entire trip in order to stay out of sight. Reyes told the FBI that Sherry... Took a nap and was fairly quiet... On the drive back, though she did express some worry about her kids. When investigators asked him whether he recognized the suspects in the wanted posters or whether anyone else was involved in the plan, he told agents, Yeah, yeah, no, I don't know any Mexican girls. Okay, so she did take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess she did take a See, that's what's interesting is all a lot of the stuff, the details she gives investigators are true. She's yeah. just substituting... Reyes for two armed Hispanic women. Yes, that's Reyes with whom she went willingly and in fact at her behest was picked up. Yes, yeah. It's um if you get a call from someone that you still are close to that you had a relationship with and they tell you my husband is beating and raping me, I'm trying to escape and you really believe that, you would probably be inclined to help them. Yeah, I mean, you put yourself in his shoes, I'd go and pick, you yeah. know, pick a friend up. Even if I had to drive a little bit, 600 miles, that's a really good friend. But at this point, it's not like she played the long game. Because, mm -hmm. you know, he reached out 2015, six months of texting, talking back and forth. And the contents of their text messages has not been revealed. But he swears that there's nothing, no hanky-panky going on. But who knows, even if it's not... uh you know, some sort of lascivious text messages. It could at least just be like emotional, right? Mm -hmm. You uh, have this emotional connection. You're, I would go, hey, why do I need to text you on a prepaid phone? But also it's like, I'm married. Uh, well, she could have been saying he's abusive. He takes true. my phone. He reads my messages. You know, I mean, that's true. that 
cracks with people that are in abusive relationships that they need a a, a secret way to uh, communicate with people so their abusers don't find out. You're totally right. And that's such a sick thing Mm -hmm. to take a a scenario that many people live a nightmare every day and use it to do this. I believe um, if I was a betting person, I would bet that when these text messages are revealed, there's going to be a lot of real gross accusations that are proven to be false. Yeah. It's going to make this story even grosser. I think so. The FBI confirmed Reyes's version of events through rental car records and phone pings from he and Sherry's prepaid cell phones. He told Agent Sherry never left his residence for the entire time she was supposedly missing. She had sent him out to Target, TJ Maxx, and Ross to buy clothes for her. He would go to work each day while Sherry stayed at his two-bedroom apartment. He told investigators that it may sound bland, but they really just talked, hung out, ate food during the time of her alleged abduction. When asked how else Sherry spent her time, he said that while sometimes she cleaned his apartment, mostly she was just feeling for herself, you know, she was in her own thing. He told investigators that Sherry had a lot of private time and just wanted to be in the room with the door shut. This was rather easy to do, seeing as how Sherry had taken over Reyes's bedroom, forcing him to sleep on the couch. Target, TJ Maxx, and Ross, you're hitting my top, three of my top five favorite stores. (laughs) Yep, yep. So this guy has driven over 600 miles to pick her up, one way, 1,200, Mm -hmm. like, over 1,200 miles round trip. Now he's sleeping on the couch while she's got his room for almost a month. I mean, and he's running errands for her. Yeah, and he's the errand boy, which I'm sure she's like, well, I can't go out. He's probably looking for me. I mean, the lies that he is being fed mm-hmm. went. I, I just i am very interested once more comes out of like the communication that they had prior to and what she was telling him during. Mm-hmm. It's going to. Oh, man. Oh, man. See if Keith sticks by her side. When he's getting yeah. accused of a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. One day soon after she arrived, Reyes told the FBI that he came home from work to see that Sherry had chopped her own hair and thrown it in the trash. Early on, she also sent him to Hobby Lobby to buy a wood-burning tool and instructed him to brand her on her shoulder. He agreed and burned letters into her right shoulder because he was left-handed. Initially, he wanted to keep the tool afterward, too. Work on wood or something. But Sherry made him throw it away. Man, this man can't even do his wood-burning projects with his Hobby Lobby tool. <laughs> what Go to Michael's, you, first of all. But second of all... What are you thinking when somebody asks you to brand them? All of this. This is a lot of... This guy is a real go-with-the-flow fella. And maybe she's like, you know what? He's real go-with-the-flow. He's not going to ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Or uh, she knows that she can easily manipulate him and... True. Get him to do stuff for her. No idea why, what explanation you could have given. I didn't see any in his statements to the FBI. I also will say she had a Pinterest page. Allegations are that she pinned some anti-Muslim and other maybe white supremacist things to the Pinterest page, allegedly. But also the FBI specifically referred to the Pinterest page that she had pinned 
for projects, it was the exact same wood burning tool. And they described it to Reyes described it to the FBI. And then the FBI could get one from Hobby Lobby and go, was this it? And he said, yeah, he said he paid cash for it and threw the receipt away, though. But he could identify the exact same tool you're that she had out pinned. Your, your crimes on Pinterest. Yeah, she's pinned a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we saw that with um, Brian Laundrie in the Gabby Pepito case, too, that there was a lot of stuff pinned on his Pinterest that people later said, whoa, if he wasn't. I mean, we later found out that he had died by suicide before any of that stuff could have happened, that people thought maybe it happened of him camping out and stuff. But my point is they look to your Pinterest uh, you know, yeah. like any social media is getting the FBI and everything is going to look at it. In this case, she really was pinning stuff that she was going to do. It seems like it. That's what I mean. That's what the FBI seemed to draw the conclusion in a footnote and say she had the same exact tools she had pinned. Also, she I don't know how smart she thinks she is clearly smart enough to pull this off. But the prepaid cell phone hot tip doesn't work. Because they can track cell site data, like they can analyze cell site analysis. And so even if you have a prepaid phone, they can see that it pinged pretty much at your house. They can kind of triangulate, especially if you live rurally and your neighbors aren't very close. Mm -hmm. They know that that phone is pinging your house and they know that his phone is pinging Reyes's house and his office. So then they just go, phone A pings at Sherry's house, phone B pings at Reyes's house. I wonder who was talking Mm -hmm. on it. So a prepaid phone and a burner phone are two different things. No, it's the same thing. It's a, a burner phone, a prepaid phone. It's anonymous. You can go to Walmart right now, 20 bucks. You get a phone and has so many minutes on it. But you think, oh, I went to Walmart and I paid cash for it. So no one's going to know. Okay. It still gets a number assigned. It yeah. It just doesn't say Heather's phone. Right. But if for some reason, like in this case, he goes, here's the phone. They get the phone number. Oh, but she's using it at her house. She's so at her she'd house. been just like... Uh, somewhere like another state, they can't like track that to you as easily. But if it's in your house and then the other person, yeah, that's real dumb. You would have to leave it off and then, you know, say drive to a Starbucks or something, only turn it on there. And then, you know, but then they'd go, well, it was used at this Starbucks at this time. We went and pulled surveillance footage. We see you at this Mm -hmm. Starbucks at this time. So it's one of those where it it, nowadays, you know, anytime someone's like this and this is tracking me, everything's always tracking me all the time. Yeah. Also, the feds, they, uh, they're not just going to, you know, be like, well, okay, we buy it. That's not what they do. It's like real hard to get into the FBI and stuff. And, <laughs> and so they want to keep their jobs and they're, you know, they're proud of what they do. Uh, and it doesn't take even a ton of investigation to put these two things together. In my brief experience interning at a federal agency, they don't knock on anybody's door with any kind of warrant or, uh, Anything like that, unless there's, they're all, they're good with the evidence. The evidence is all short up. So when you kind of go like, oh man, this got found out then and she only got arrested in March, 2022. That's because they take the the DOJ, the uh, assistant U.S. attorney, the U.S. attorney is going to go, you need to have every single box checked that we have to prove for this, you know, alleged crime, the crime they're alleged to have committed. And so it takes a long time to do that. And like, she ain't going nowhere, but I guarantee they kept eyes on her. Mm -hmm. They knew her, you know, they Mm -hmm. knew, okay, she's kind of going about her business. She's at her house, taking the kids in. But yeah, if you kind of go, well, this, you know, the DNA came out and he's getting interviewed in 2020, you know, in August of 2020, why didn't she get, you know, why didn't anything move right away? Watch them. Watch them check the boxes. Once once the feds knock on your door, uh, it's it's you're you're done. So yeah, it's game over.
During her time at Reyes's apartment, she also forced herself to lose weight. Reyes told agents, She's not eating as much as she would. You know, she would just minimize what she was eating. Her plan worked. Sherry had weighed 100 pounds when she left her home. She returned a frail 87 pounds. According to Reyes, Sherry only started to create injuries on herself once she was deciding to leave his apartment and go back home. For instance, she had hit herself to create the bruises on her arms. According to FBI records, she asked Reyes to punch her in the face, but he refused. Instead, Sherry purposely hit her head on the bathtub and on the bathroom floor. Good to know he has a line in the sand that he won't cross. I, um, this is where if I was him, I mean, I probably would have already been asking a lot of questions, but I'm definitely going to start asking a lot of questions now. And to watch someone do this to themselves has to be pretty troubling. Disturbing, for sure. So what would you think she would tell him? What, I mean, that's what is going to that's what I'm so interested in is what story was she giving him to say, well, I'm, I'm going to go back, but he'll beat me unless I come back already beaten because he thinks I've been kidnapped. I mean, she had to have been creating this whole narrative for a while. Yeah. Before, just like she created it with Reyes before she left home, she's you know, creating this whole narrative of, well, how do I get back home without having everybody hate me? I'm going to have to create this heinous situation so no one can be mad. That may be a good excuse. Yeah, to say, well, now I've been gone so long, I really have to, uh, he'll he'll kill me if I, mm-hmm. he knows I just ran away with you, so mm-hmm. I have to pretend. I don't know. That's all conjecture on our parts because what we're giving you, listener, is what's the FBI's made public so far, mm-hmm. and then, you know, we'll see, I guess, as more information is revealed. Reyes confirmed that he refused to lay hands on Sherry, but admitted he did help her once when she asked him to bank a puck off my leg. He told investigators, So I shot a puck off her leg lightly. He was confused by her request, telling agents, There's not too many people that come up and say, hurt me. I'm not physical ever with women. I mean, I just don't. As for the burns on her arms, he told agents, That was self-inflicted. I didn't burn anything on her arm there. The details of the burns, bruises, and branding were all key to the investigation, as none of Sherry's injuries had been made public. Yeah, it just was like, she looked really bad. Keith Papini's interview with 2020 just said, I walked in and I saw her and it was horrible. But then they go and interview this guy and he's like, I can tell you, she did this to her face, this to her arm. The branding was on her right shoulder, which they didn't even mention. You know, Mm -hmm. they said, did you do anything to her? Well, I branded her. Okay, where? And then, so all these details, you go, okay, well, he's not lying. Right. Yeah, he's not lying, but I'm sure they had to do their due diligence of, Did you kidnap her? Did you do these? I mean, you know, you'd have to. Well, then you go, hey, here's a cell phone and some notes from her that says, please come pick me up at this date and this time. There you go. Yeah. Keep all of that. He he gave her up pretty quick. He gave up immediately. As you would. He's been sitting on this for four years. Imagine how stressful that is, especially once you see it all coming out in the news. You're like, fuck, what did I get myself tangled up in? But you're. You're like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, but that's got to be a stressful, it takes a toll on you mentally and probably physically and emotionally to be knowing that you're like holding on to this information for so long. Yeah, you got to hold it in, but I think, yeah, it's probably a relief. Yeah. Oh, The FBI open the door and you're like, oh, thank God. Thank God. I don't have to hide anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
The initial plan had been for Sherry to stay with Reyes longer, but around Thanksgiving, she told him she missed her kids and said, I'm ready to go. On the drive back, Sherry had items in a bag that she used to bind her own wrists and ankles, including the chain Reyes had bought for her at her request. She discarded other items that could be traced to her in a nearby dumpster. I imagine the holidays are coming up. I mean, I think any, I I hope that she missed her kids the whole time. It sounded like even from when she was on her way out, she was saying she was worried about them. She wasn't worried enough about him to not do this, but mm-hmm. she, you know, once the holidays roll around, you're like, uh, what have I done? I'm ready to get back. Well, I can't just stroll back in. So now I got to create this whole ruse and involve him even more. Should have de-kidnap herself. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I wonder too, because about the three week mark, you know, when she, right before she came back. Uh, there were some fam- familial interviews on TV of her, like I said, her parents going, Sherry, we miss you. Your mm-hmm. babies miss you. Just come home. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if those were effective. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure she saw them. Yeah. While her family, friends, and law enforcement were unaware of Sherry's whereabouts during her three-week absence, two people did know that Sherry was at her ex-boyfriend's apartment during her supposed disappearance. Reyes had told his cousin that he could have no visitors as Sherry was staying with him. He also told his mom that Sherry was staying with him. Once news broke of Sherry's abduction in the media, his mom became concerned about his involvement. Rightfully so. And I believe the cousin saw her in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Like, he came in and she ran off and slammed the door and everything. So, And then someone else saw her through a window. I mean, it's confirmed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reyes told agents he was rattled by his experience with Sherry and became increasingly concerned with all the media attention. He told the FBI... Once it hit, like, you see everything on the news, but then when it starts getting bigger, I mean, all right, we're dedicating a 2020 to her disappearance. Seeing how big the story had gotten, Reyes decided, I'm not going to make any calls because it's like I'm turning myself in for nothing. At the same time, he had decided if law enforcement came to question him, he would not fight it. From November 2016, when he helped her execute her plan, until his interrogation by FBI agents in August of 2020, Sherry did not contact him. He told investigators, I haven't talked to her since then. That's interesting. You go through this whole thing together and then maybe it makes sense that she didn't contact him. But if I were him, I would be following up some or at least trying to. Unless she said, don't call me because the cops are on my tail. Everybody's around. I'm being, you know, I'm sure the police. Yeah. All investigations are focused on her and now she's back and she's being questioned you'd be like getting questioned your phone buzzes like who is that don't worry she about it she turns off the prepaid phone mm-hmm. investigators interviewed two other witnesses and corroborated reyes's story through evidence like rental car receipts work schedules cell phone records and cellular site analysis one witness had actually even seen sherry in reyes's apartment twice during the time of her alleged abduction once through a window and again in the kitchen so that was the cousin that mm-hmm. saw. And you got to wonder what they're thinking because it's all over the news. So if you see on the news, she's gone missing and you're like, uh, but I saw her. But maybe you don't want to call because you think maybe uh, my cousin has something to do with this and I'm not trying to like get him in trouble or, you know, I mean, you just don't want to involve yourself in in something. But you also, I imagine, are thinking what... um why is this 
supposed woman that's been kidnapped over at my cousin's house or my son's house. And Les Reyes shared the story that had been peddled to him of, yeah. well, we can't, the, the, you know, the husband's crying on TV, but he's really a monster. Yeah. And if he finds out where she is, it's game over. So you can't come over. Don't tell anybody. And, you know, that because I think we all, you know, as a good average human just wants to help somebody that's in trouble. And especially you go, oh, my gosh, this woman's life's at stake. She lives with this monster. Mm-hmm. He looks so nice on TV, though. Mm-hmm. And he's crying and everything doesn't matter he's really a monster mm-hmm. then you go okay well i will keep my mouth shut i don't want to be the reason why a domestic violence survivor is now found by her perpetrator mm-hmm. on august 13 2020 investigators confronted sherry with her husband present at the beginning of the interview the agents told sherry all we want is truthful statements because it's a crime to lie to federal officers understood sherry nodded her head then went on to lie to the federal officers First, they asked her about her abductor's appearances. She once again gave detailed descriptions of the two Hispanic women. Then they showed her photos of the location where she had been staying with her ex-boyfriend. She falsely told investigators that she had not been there. They showed her a drawing she had made of the closet, then compared it to the closet at her ex-boyfriend's place. Sherry told investigators, It's a little bit different, but it's pretty, excuse my language, it's pretty fucking similar, but it's different. It didn't look like that. It it didn't look like that. The hubris to think, it's, I mean, just fucking give it up, dude. Man, it was worse for her because it was bad already. And then they they gave her an out. They gave her an out. They said, you know, it's a crime. If you lie to us, here's your, here's your chance to come clean. No. I know. Yeah. And then lie, 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 lie. Yeah. To think that if the, you know the truth, you know that you lied to everybody, Mm -hmm. perpetuated this sham, then to have them show not just a photo of an apartment, but the The apartment apartment. that you wouldn't go, your ass tightens and you go, oh, fuck. You know what, Mm -hmm. you guys, I'm going to tell you what I, why I did this and what I did. I'm going to be honest. The stupid thing was to just go, to go, man, nope, that's not it. She's in so deep at this point that I'm sure she's thinking, well, if I give myself up, I'm going to this I'm going to look like a huge idiot and, you know, get in a lot of trouble. But the thing is, Sherry, you idiot. This is the FBI. They already know you're lying. Yes. So now they're just building a stronger case against you where now you're also going to get charged for lying to a federal agent. What you should have done is said. Uh, all we want is truthful statements. Lie to, it's a crime to lie to federal officers. Understood. Yes, I understand. Then they say, uh, we want to talk to you about your abductors. If she wants to keep it up, that's fine. Keep that up. I would have just said, shut up and stop talking. But when they showed you the picture and you know your host, say, I'd like to stop the interview now. And I'd, um, uh, the next time I talk to you, I'm going to get an intern. Fuck yes. Shut the hell How up. How she hasn't had a lawyer. I mean, I guess maybe she thinks... If I lawyer up, it's going to look bad. It's going to make me look guilty and like I'm trying to protect myself. That may be, but who gives a shit? You know, I mean, like, even if you were telling the truth, you should have a lawyer present. Because she had lied previously to them, but now they had evidence mm-hmm. showing that what she was about to say again. So from that point on, it was demonstrably false. And then she just kept on flapping her gums. And Keith is sitting there. Yeah, you you know you he's me? like, oh fuck this. Well, this I don't think seems... he knows that that's the boyfriend's apartment. No, it's just yeah, an I apartment guess not. That they show even if you, I don't know. I try to put myself in those shoes. Even if I 
a thousand percent believed Tommy in this situation. Once all at some point, some kind of doubt is going to creep in. You would help, but who knows? Who knows the? I don't know. Does that She's say? Does that, that make me um, uh, a bad wife? If I'm like, not at, at all. Some point, I would think that this is a ruse. I told you last night. I love you because you're very discerning. Thank you. Yeah, you said. Um, well, because I, first of all, I want to make a public apology for um, questioning your travel booking method because it all came about because others is booking um, flights for, well, we can tease it a bit for our upcoming tour from some travel that's coming up that we'll be announcing soon. But I... Um, Wanted to know if there was a different time flight. I should have just trusted Heather's method, but I insisted on going to the website myself. And you said, I, I love doing life with you because it makes me more discerning. And I said, will you please tell Tommy that? Because <laughs> I, I pro- my constant, like, uh, if you want something done right, you got to do it right yourself attitude probably <laughs> wears, wears them out a bit after a while. Another thing that's happening at the same time as this is there was another woman who had gone missing around the same time as Sherry who really was abducted and really went missing and to this day hasn't been found. But when Sherry comes back, she and the family of that woman connect and she goes over to the house and has dinner with them. They cook her dinner and Mm -hmm. she's saying, Oh, my heart is with you. You know, don't Mm -mm. give up hope fully knowing her story is bullshit. And Mm-mm. this grieving family who has for real lost their loved one is buying into all of it. I mean, not to blame them. You know, they think they have a, a comforting person here. That is That takes this from, like, you're a complete piece of trash to you're a monster. That's so gross. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible. And, it, yeah, at this point... Her husband's still along for the ride mm-hmm. because all, as far as he knows, the FBI has just showed a picture of a suspected, maybe it's a trafficking den or mm-hmm. something. After she made a few more denials, investigators finally told Sherry that the jig was up. They told her that they knew she had been staying with James Reyes and had witnesses who placed her there at that time. Sherry's response was, Oh my God. Still, Sherry continued to lie to investigators. She began referring to her imaginary abductor, saying, I know. I don't want you to find her. She's the reason that I get to see my children every day. Investigators responded, We agree, but we're not going to find her. Because she doesn't exist. She's imaginary. So even now they're giving him a name. They're, they're uh-huh. saying, we know you. And, and she still digs in. Oh, yeah. Oh, continues to dig in, too, because I wonder if, oh, my God, the wheels are turning and going, okay, well, I'm just going to have to say maybe the blindfold, I never saw him, and if I was at his house, you know, like, maybe that's, you know, oh, my God, is buying time. And, again, these people, it's not their first day on the job. No. They know when somebody starts speaking nonsense, saying, oh, my God, fake crying, I would assume that's a liar trying to perpetuate the next story of, like, okay, what I want to say again. Mm -hmm. So then we see... And now also, um, Keith, I'm sure has heard James's name over the course of their relationship, maybe even knows him because they were all yeah. the same age at the same time. So now that you're there's like an ex-boyfriend name involved, that's when I personally would 
the ding, 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 ding would start going off. Because she's been this way since childhood. Lying about stuff, accusing people of abuse. She has a pattern. I, I We don't have evidence. Keith has not come out and said that during the course of their marriage she did that with him. It would be um, pretty uh, surprising if all of that behavior had stopped mm-hmm. while married to him and then just suddenly picked back up in 2015. Well, she saved guys that she was, we'll yeah. see what she was doing with, saved their numbers as women in her phone. Mm-hmm. So she was hiding something from her man. Yes. for Oh, for sure. Yeah. Sherry clung to her story, referring to an unknown female again, saying, I don't want to get her in trouble. The agents then told Sherry that the DNA on her sweatshirt belonged to her ex-boyfriend. She feigned upset, saying, no, there's no way it's James. There's there's no way. There's no way because he loves me. We were friends. There's no way. So now she's going to try and imply that he's the one that was behind this all. Damn. Fuck. She knows no bounds. To start going, because DNA is DNA, right? You're not going to argue with that. Right. It's the sweatshirt you were wearing. It's his DNA. There's also, I found a... Amateur diagram somebody made of the DNA spots and where they were seemed to imply there were some DNA in the underwear that couldn't quite be uh, tested. But the DNA on the sweatshirt, where it came from, was it semen? Possibly. Oh. But then to turn to, so you know there's now there's something on the sweatshirt. And to just immediately Mm -hmm. go, oh, I'm so betrayed by James. God damn, James. Pathological liar. I mean, it's like it just comes so natural. It doesn't even. Yeah, it's just like second nature. Damn. Trying to cling to it. Mm hmm. Investigators asked Sherry if he had come to get her and she lied to investigators again, saying no. They asked her when she last spoke with Reyes and Sherry claimed it was well before she was married. Forever ago when I lived in Southern California. Investigators asked. You were saying since you have been married, you haven't called James Reyes. And Sherry responded falsely. No, I haven't called James Reyes. Investigators had records showing at least 29 calls between Sherry and Reyes. Agents confronted her with evidence, all while her husband was in the room. But Sherry maintained her story. They even reminded her. Lying to federal agents is a crime. Sherry would not waver. Yeah, my girl, the moment that they say... I want to be clear. You're saying to me, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Is that correct? Is that what you're saying? What they've just done, (laughs) what they're doing is getting you to lie to them. Yeah. And you fell right in. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're setting up. They want you to say, that is what I'm saying. Because there's no no doubt when this gets played in a court of law for a jury, what has happened. This is a slam dunk. And Keith's just sitting there. I mean, at some point, you've got to say, even if you believe your wife, you now have DNA evidence. You have 29 phone calls that you, these can't be made up. Mm-mm. You can't just, like, make make up stuff to explain all of this. Mm-mm. God damn. Once her husband left the room, Sherry admitted to talking with Reyes. A little bit before. And confessed. When I went out of town for work. I talked with other guys. I made a mistake and I talked to other men and I shouldn't have. However, she continued referring to an unknown female, telling FBI agents. You know who she is. I know you do. I know you know who she is. I'm not saying it. I don't want to get her in trouble. I know you know who she is. 
she never recanted her tales of two imaginary Hispanic women who held her at gunpoint and branded her. Sherry was not arrested immediately. In the months following her interview, she attempted to contact her ex multiple times via telephone. Which then tells the agents, why are you trying to call him? What are you trying to talk to him about? And also, you idiot. I mean, you've just been interviewed multiple times. They have all this evidence. Do you not think they're watching you? Your phone may be tapped. That's another reason of like, she gets interviewed in August of 2020 and there's not an immediate arrest. Like, let's see what she does. Yeah. So at this point, my question is, could they have arrested her right now if they had wanted? In August of 2020? Yeah. Probably, but I think, again, you ask yourself the soonest charges versus the best charges. Mm-hmm. And so if you could, you're like, if for some reason they were like, well, and the family trip to Costa Rica is planned for next month, then you may want to jump in and go ahead and yeah. arrest her. But she's kind of living a suburban life, going, taking the kids to practice in school and running around the block. She, you know. Build a case against like her, a stronger case against her. Yeah. See what she does, like contact her ex. And that was over the course of months yeah. that she tried to call, contact him. The I know you know who she is because she had originally said, my captors told me that law enforcement was involved and the buyer was a cop. So she's still trying to imply, y'all are in on this somehow. I think so. And I mean, when, when we were first going back and forth with notes, you were like, who is she? What is What is this talking about? And I'm like, she just kept saying... I know you know it just it's kind of nonsense like yeah. there's not really context given in the FBI affidavit and she just was kept saying I know you know who she is I know who know, I know you know who she is uh I don't want to get her in trouble she's the reason why I get to see my kids every day like well she claimed I, I believe from reading it the implication was that the younger one is the one that let her go mm-hmm. and she's so Therefore, she's the reason Sherry survived and gets to see her kids, and she doesn't want to get her in trouble. And she'd played up this whole time that the younger one was the nicer one, too. Mm-hmm. You know, almost like a, um, what is it when you become uh, sympathetic towards your... Oh, Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome, yeah. I mean, you're right. And the investigators at the time did ask her, you were pretty clear earlier when I asked, what did the younger one do? You said the younger one pointed the gun at you. And she responded... She was there and she let me go. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. again, lying to the police. Again. Yes. Yeah. She let herself go. Mm-hmm. Based on her statements to the agents in the August 2020 interview, a 55-page criminal complaint was filed on March 3rd, 2022. Sherry was charged with violating Title 18 United States Code Section 1001A2, making false statements to a federal agent. She was also charged with violating Title 18 United States Code Section 1341, mail fraud, after she received and deposited funds from the California Victims' Compensation Board via the U.S. mail. The charge for lying to a federal officer has a maximum five-year sentence and $250,000 fine, while the charge for mail fraud carries a penalty of up to 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. Sherry could also be required to pay restitution if convicted. Yeah, she should plead out. That's what um, we'll we'll link in the show notes, but the Court TV little segment that I sent you the link to today, I said, I think you're going to appreciate several things that happen in this video. One, that um, one of the attorneys they interview is just in his office standing in front of a Captain America shield and several guitars that are mounted on the wall. It's it's the whole vibe. But um, 
one of the um, uh, prosecutors who I believe used to be a federal prosecutor that they're mm-hmm. talking to says, uh, having worked for the feds, they do not bring these charges against you unless they are 100% confident that they can, uh, this is, there's not going to be a problem with this conviction. She needs to plead out. And I feel yeah. like that's what's probably going to happen. Well, and we talked about it with when we covered the fruitcake fraud. We talked about how the sentencing guidelines, you get credit off, like you get time off mm-hmm. of the sentence whenever you do things like cooperate, don't continue to lie, you uh, show remorse, you pay, pay pay people back for all the GoFundMe money you stole, all that kind of stuff. So they're... She has an attorney, so hopefully he's uh, advising her as such. To start getting her act together? Yeah, I mean, and and just go and listen, here's the sentencing guidelines. You could, this is the maximum five-year on this one. This is the maximum 20-year on this one. And what you've done is wasted X dollars of resources. So I imagine that your fine will be somewhere in there. You may have to pay restitution to the people that you have taken their money from. Let's talk about what we can now do to try to back that out mm-hmm. like to say what can we do to help you make you more sympathetic a little yeah. bit more because right now she's not no 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 and that's again what they said on court tv is no jury is going to have any type of sympathy for her you know especially like the information that comes out like whenever she gets questioned the person that she lied to about being a domestic violence survivor she kind of tries to flip on him right mm-hmm. away she goes in the family of the woman who actually is missing and grossly intertwines herself in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they take the GoFundMe money to spend what you really want to, everything you think about what you use your credit card to pay for if it's something frivolous. And then you go through and go, these people wrote these comments on the GoFundMe page saying, praying for your mm-hmm. safe return. Meanwhile, you were going and buying stuff at TJ Maxx mm-hmm. or whatever she spends her money on. And it's not a sympathetic defendant. No, not, not at all. Not at all. Sherry Papini was arrested on Thursday, March 3rd, 2022, while at her children's piano practice. Not wanting to make a scene and wanting to avoid Sherry's access to any possible firearms, agents lured her outside by telling her that her car had been in an accident. Once she realized she was being arrested, she screamed no and ran away from them and resisted arrest. She also threw her cell phone 20 feet, according to Assistant U.S. Attorney Veronica Allegria. Sherry's attorney, Michael Borges, clarified his client's actions, stating, Certainly conceivable that Miss Papini thought her children were in danger, turned to protect them, and her actions were misinterpreted by the agent. I don't think this is evidence of resisting arrest. It appears to be evidence of being caught by surprise. How were your children in danger if they're inside at a piano lesson? I think you try to think of ways to explain mm-hmm. why your client screamed no, no and ran off and ran away. I, I, I will. I believe that she definitely was caught by surprise. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's wow. It's a, it's yeah. a great but idea. Like you said earlier, how could she be that surprised when she knows how many times she's been interviewed, that they have all this evidence, she knows they have the right evidence, that mm-hmm. what they know the true story, and that she's continued to lie to them, I would almost be like, oh, thank God, it's finally over. Or at least, you know, I mean, you don't want to be arrested, especially not at your kid's piano lesson, and you are surprised. But to think I was really going to get away with this, I wonder if she really thought I'm going to get away with this. 
I mean, that's kind of the other thing is the last time they talked to her, I mean, it, it, so far as the affidavit indicates, that she was August of 2020, and then you got the pandemic, you got, you know, a couple years going by. She may have thought she was getting off scot-free. Maybe. Of course, every once in a while, there's, like, news stories of, like, the, the, the people that did this to her still haven't been captured. Meanwhile, people online have been, this lady's full of shit. This mm-hmm. was all made up. And... There had been like some New York Post articles, some more like from some sources that maybe considered more tabloidish, saying she was really with her ex this whole time. But it wasn't until this uh, her arrest affidavit was made public and that she was arrested that really all the details came out. So she may have thought, oh, it's all just rumors. Again, every time anything came out, the family loved the word victim blaming. Oh, they love that word. They're like, yeah. she's been through enough. You guys are victim blaming. You're traumatizing and tormenting her and just laid it on thick. That's what I was going to say is what the, my, the thing that fascinates me most and I'm most interested in is what was she telling her family during this whole time, how did she continue to make up excuses for what the FBI was bringing forward? I mean, what web of lies had she spun to make everyone believe it? Did everybody believe it? Like we said, her mom kind of maybe intonated in that one interview, like, Sherry, just come home. You know, I mean, they know she had a history of doing these things. Back in 2003, she had accused her mom of abusing her and calling 911, and her mom knew that she wasn't the one doing it and that she saw herself harm. So at some point, you got to think, I, this she did, she did make all this up, didn't she? Well, and, uh, if you're the husband in the room and it starts going, you're with your ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. and we have a lot of text messages and phone records between the two of you, and he's like... I got to go outside and get some air. Yeah. And then maybe later she just says, well, honey, I'm sorry I was cheating on you, but it didn't have anything to do with the kidnapping. The kidnapping still legit because she didn't get arrested that day. So at mm-hmm. least from August 2020 to March of 2022, you can keep the ruse up because you hadn't been arrested. I don't know how you explain uh, the extensive nature of the affidavit. Yeah. Yeah. And just look anybody in the face. Yeah. And I mean, you can tell yourself, well... The FBI made this up. So if you want to say that they took the time, Shasta County Sheriff, the FBI, the U.S. Attorney's Office, took the time to spin a web of lies, James Reyes and his cousin and his cousin's wife and the neighbor and the mom and everything, they're all against her. Everybody's in on it. Or she's full of shit. Yeah. I mean, you tell me. You tell me what's more like. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's... It could be a gigantic ruse against with like hundreds of people being involved. And why is Mm -hmm. she the target? unknown or she's full of shit yeah after her arrest u.s attorney philip talbert said in a statement when a young mother went missing in broad daylight a community was filled with fear and concern ultimately the investigation revealed that there was no kidnapping and that the time and resources that could have been used to investigate actual crime protect the community and provide resources to victims were wasted According to the Shasta County Sheriff's Office and prosecutors, Sherry's hoax cost Shasta County, state and federal taxpayers, crime victims and donors more than $200,000. Sheriff Michael Johnson said that while the investigation cost time and resources, it also caused the general public to be fearful for their own safety, a fear that they should not have had to endure. 
it also caused uh, Latina women mm-hmm. to be looked at suspiciously in a community that that's a non-quantifiable harm that yeah. I think she absolutely should suffer some sort of consequence for because she has put uh, myriad people in harm's way. She's put tons of people, as, in addition to the wasted resources, which we should all be irritated about, especially because crime victims aren't getting, mm-hmm. crime victims never get enough resources that they actually need. And this gal was sucking on the public teat till mm-hmm. it wouldn't give no more. The whole racial side of this is just disgusting. Not to mention, when stories like this come out, all it does is make it harder for actual survivors of abuse to come forward and mm-hmm. be believed, you know? I yeah. mean, then people that don't believe them point to, oh, well, she's probably just making it up like that Sherry Papini lady did just to get attention. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it does so much more damage than just financially. And like mm-hmm. you said, it's it's not quantifiable. Like, I mean... It's something that just gets more ingrained in in the way everybody's looked at. And to the extent that people, you know, we keep our finger on the pulse of true crime news and we are lucky to have amazing listeners and Patreon supporters who make sure post in the Facebook group, DM us, whatever. But for the general public that maybe doesn't really follow Mm -hmm. the news that much or whatever, what if the last thing they remember is... The two Hispanic ladies that snatched that lady and now are going to call in tips or, call you know, whatever, getting people in trouble and just like you said, stoking those the racial tensions that and also now, like you said, there could be other people that truly do have. They have been victimized that either are not going to come forward or maybe the general public. they You see a GoFundMe shared mm-hmm. and you go. I don't know. That last GoFundMe I donated to, Sherry Papini took all my money and paid her credit card debts off. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm not going to donate to this one. So it's just the ripple effects are widespread. Yes. Yeah, ripple effects for sure. While the community was outraged by Sherry's actions, her family seemed to stand by her, saying in a statement, We love Sherry and are appalled by the way in which law enforcement ambushed her this afternoon in a dramatic and unnecessary fashion in front of her children. Sherry and Keith have cooperated with law enforcement requests despite repeated attempts to unnecessarily pit them against each other, empty threats to publicly embarrass them, and other conduct that was less than professional. Her attorneys also implied they didn't understand exactly why their client was being charged, saying... We're confused by several aspects of the charges and hope to get clarification in the coming days. Uh, you can reach out to me at Heather versus the world on Instagram. <laughs> Send me a DM. We'll set up a time to chat because I read this thing. And um, I also, I mean, I have minimal criminal experience and it's not confusing. No. Truly, it's not. It's very I, uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm here most days. If you want to talk to me, I'm also not confused. I think. Give me a call. I think um, pretty much anybody with a couple of brain cells to rub together are not confused by why she's being charged. Yeah, no, I would understand if there was, if the affidavit was vague, if it lacked substance. It is footnoted. I mean, it's very detailed. Detailed, written. Almost as detailed as the story she made up. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's like for everything she claimed, there is a rebuttal of, with hard evidence backing it up. So, I'm not sure about the confusion. (laughs) Sherry spent five days in the Sacramento County Jail then appeared before U.S. Magistrate Judge Jeremy D. Peterson on March 8th. At the hearing, the assistant U.S. attorney argued against Sherry's release, calling her an extreme flight risk, saying, This defendant ran and successfully hid from law enforcement for three weeks in an elaborate scheme. Sherry's attorney successfully argued that she was not a flight risk. 
she was released to home confinement on a $120,000 bond under the conditions that she surrender her passport, surrender her and her husband's firearms, limit her travel, abstain from drugs and alcohol, not commit any crimes, and undergo psychiatric treatment. Well, I mean, you kind of say the jails are overcrowded and she's, you know, out on her own recognizance and hopefully if they take her passport, she won't run. Yeah, I'm, I I mean, I, I'm not an attorney or a judge, so I don't know if it's weird that she was able to successfully argue that she wasn't a flight risk because I would think she was based to on her, the whole thing that she did. Devil's advocate, she only went about 600 miles and she stayed in the States and she stayed in the state. Like she was in the United That's States true. and she stayed in California. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe if they had like a condo in another country or something that she could technically go to, but it may be that the judge looked at everything and said, well, you know, but these are, I mean, uh, I would say marginally strict conditions, you know, not like any stricter than many things, but given her, given what she's charged with in her history saying, you can't leave the Eastern District of California, you have mm-hmm. to, unless you tell us. You know, you can't, uh, you need to go undergo psychiatric treatment. That's just for the good of all of us. Yeah. Well, she was already undergoing it at the taxpayer's expense. Now she can foot the bill herself. You know? I also believe her husband is the one that came up with most of that bond money. And her parents signed it. Yeah. So, you know, after hearing all the stuff you've heard to then come up with that kind of money for your wife, that's, he's sticking by her side. The judge warned Sherry of the severity of violating the terms of her release, saying, You should take this very seriously. Due to the backlog of cases caused by COVID-19, setting a date for her trial could potentially take years. If she violates any terms of her release, she will be imprisoned until her trial date. Her next court appearance is a preliminary examination scheduled for April 29th in federal court in Sacramento. The family has since hired a publicist, Commentators online have speculated whether Sherry intends to sell her story in the form of a book or movie deal. There's a video of her coming out of um, the courthouse for something, and she's – wait, her sister and mom are there, and there's a ton of media – and her sister and mom just grab her and and her head is down and you can just hear her sobbing and they're running her to their car, which they had to park like quite a bit away from the courthouse at a meter. And they just run with her and then get her in the car and then she just like falls into her mom's arms in the car and then her dad speeds off. And I'm just thinking, what the fuck has she told these people for them to still be sympathetic to all of this? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, even if she did all this, I mean, I think she did. But even if she did all this, you maybe don't want her to be hounded by the media if you're her family. You think this is embarrassing enough. She's put us through enough. She's put her through enough. Let us just get home and not have to deal with this. But it, to me, being lied to like this, and like you said, for three weeks – her kids were traumatized and lied to. In the 2020 interview, the dad is sobbing, going, the four-year-old told me, Daddy, you can tell me anything. And I had to tell him, somebody took mommy and we don't know where she is. So even if that's partially true, you know, they told the kids that their mom was missing mm-hmm. and now she's back. And could you, hi, they have more forgiving hearts than I do, I guess. Maybe they are looking at it from more of a mental health standpoint. and She's got something wrong with her. Yeah, and thinking... 
well, we've known for years that, you know, she's she's capable of these types of things. This is extreme. She's not well. Uh, maybe she's come clean to them and said, I'm unhappy. I'm depressed. This, you know, I mean, who knows what has happened behind closed doors, but it's um, what's the weirdest part to me is that there's been no apologies or taking back of statements or admitting like I'm, I made all of this up. Like she had, as of now, she's still pretty much sticking by the story that she told them in August of 2020. Yeah, I mean, they've gone, aside from poor Sherry got arrested and how mean of the FBI to arrest her, there really hasn't been that many statements from the family. They have this publicist now probably who told them, shut the hell up, Mm -hmm. stay out of the public limelight. You're not going to help yourself. The lawyer is probably saying, absolutely don't apologize. Absolutely don't say, I made all this stuff about the Hispanic ladies up because you've now been charged with a crime that involves the, you know, telling the truth and lying. Mm -hmm. So that's just only going to be used against you, like stay silent and everything. The thing that gets me is I worry in a post tender swindler post, you know, world that she's going to write a book about it. She's oh, going to. Yeah, yeah. this will be an option for sure. Lifetime movie about mm-hmm. it or a regular movie about mm-hmm. it. And it sucks. Yeah, there'll be a gonna, Netflix series about it. I'm sure. The worst, you know, she'll make her money back. You know, she'll make back the money, maybe pay back the state, pay restitution, a couple hundred thousand dollars in restitution and, you know, maybe pay back the people that. The go, you know, payback GoFundMe. Hopefully, GoFundMe has paid people their money back, but they're just going to make money off mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. It yeah. makes you kind of sad. <laughs> Tinder Swindler, um, Bad Vegan, if you haven't watched What's that. What's her face? Anna Delvey. Yeah. You know, she's. Yeah. So there, you know, there used to be Son of Sam laws. Those are facially unconstitutional because they are, they fly in the face of the First, first Amendment. They're content based. So you can't say a criminal can't make money off of their crime. So. She's allowed to do yeah, it. I mean, that brings up an interesting point of if this continues to happen, where we see this trend of criminals then profiting off of their crimes, maybe does a new bill or law get passed that, that prevents things from like that happening? Well, I mean, you, because you have the First Amendment, like any content-based laws that are going to presume to restrict writing or speech whatsoever is subject to strict scrutiny, which is the highest form of judicial review. And if to survive that, you have to prove that the government has that the regulation advances a really compelling government interest in a very narrowly tailored way. And so maybe if you say crimes that involve uh, murder, you know, you can't like Texas has a slayer statute, but that's usually more you can't get insurance proceeds if you're the beneficiary and you killed the, Mm -hmm. the subject of the thing. But, you know, the I don't know how you narrowly tailor saying any work, you know, fiction or nonfiction or, you know, even just nonfiction, any work that has to do with the crime you committed, you can't profit off of it. That's pretty broad. And anytime Nevada, California, New York, anytime states have had laws like that, they've been struck down by the Supreme Court. So the way that they got around it in Arizona is because uh, Mafioso had uh, written a book after he had been charged with some uh racketeering and he was getting money after writing about like my life in the mob. And so then Arizona essentially used Rico, which is a racketeering statute to say those are, that's continuing his criminal enterprise that he had Mm. done, you know, criminal. He had, he was getting royalties now from this book and the royalties were based on him talking about the crimes he did. And so those royalties thusly were 
profits from the racketeering. So gotcha. it was like continuing the criminal enterprise. So that could be a way that you say, you know, she, you'd have the state would have to charge her with something as far, which I think they could essentially. She's stolen money from the crime victims comp fund. That's mm-hmm. the other thing. She's only been charged federally. Who knows what state charges may mm-hmm. be in her future. And, you know, uh, a lot of times in cases where, like OJ, he wrote this book. Well, the victim sued civilly, so then the proceeds of the book mm-hmm. goes to the victim's family instead. Here, it's hard to say who the victims are. It's the people, and so maybe the state can go after her and sue her civilly under the state RICO laws and say, you know, we want to – the restitution you owe is X amount of dollars, and anything beyond that you get to keep, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you got to pay the state back for all the resources you wasted. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about it, so – you know, we, I mean, any podcast or anything, like, I guess we're not above, I mean, we're, we are definitely not Netflix, but I think the difference is, um, she's not making money off of what we're saying. Yeah. I'm not giving cherry. Pimini no, but she dime. would make money off of, you yeah, know, selling a series her own on story. Ne- a ser- selling her story to someone for sure. Yeah. I mean, essentially in the information age, you know, any news periodical you read, you watch Inside Edition, you watch Court TV, you read the New mm-hmm. York Times, whatever you read. That ain't free. You know, it's coming right. from somewhere, but we're not paying. The New York Times isn't paying Sherry Papini and Inside Edition isn't paying her to talk about her right. case. Yes. We are definitely not paying Sherry Papini a Fuck dime. Her. Presently, Sherry Papini is the only one being charged with any criminal wrongdoing. While many believe her husband, Keith, knew of her plan and even helped facilitate it for financial gain, his involvement or knowledge at this point remains unknown. Of his potential involvement... U.S. Attorney's Office spokeswoman Lauren Horwood said that she can't fully comment on that, but conceded. What I can say is he's not being charged. So what do we think? Ooh. (laughs) I mean, it's like watching interviews with the sheriff from 2019, maybe, and the Shasta County Sheriff goes, I'm not saying she was abducted. I'm not saying she was not abducted. Mm -hmm. So they say stuff. They, they say it they, without saying it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from maybe I have my radars off that I thought he didn't know, or maybe at some point he didn't know, and later she brought him in on it, and he's like, oh, shit, we got to, if we if this gets out, she's going to go mm-hmm. to jail. Who knows? So that all that all. That's true. I hadn't seen. thought about that. Maybe he didn't know in the beginning, but perhaps she's clued him in on something since, but he's doesn't want their entire life to fall apart and for her to go to jail, so mm-hmm. he's... Uh, helping her out now, same maybe with the family. I don't know. Or maybe she's told them an even worse lie. Who's to say? Is uh, Reyes, can he be charged with anything? Is what he did illegal? Not that I've seen. I don't, he, especially given the information he was told, I think he was acting, if you can find the receipts, he was acting in good faith on the information he gave, that he thought he was helping a domestic violence survivor mm-hmm. out. Uh, the you know, if somebody asks you to hit them with a hockey puck, you haven't assaulted them because they've invited it. You know, you have mm-hmm. a, a affirmative defense. Yes, I hit this person, but I hit it because I was asked to, not or because branded I, you them. Know, yeah, or branded them. Yeah, she asked him to do it. So those things, I don't think he could be charged with. Uh, of course, it's his word versus her word. You know, she wants to say, "Oh, he branded me." I wonder what the statute of limitations is on on assault or whatever the branding would be considered. Probably, you know, battery or something. But I imagine her word is also. Um, not taken uh very seriously at this point either i mean you have 
tons of credibility issues and mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like she wants to charge him uh she pretended like she hadn't talked to him in years yeah but then very quickly flipped and said oh he or implied he must have been the one that did this yeah, yeah. In which i think we know he isn't so you know she uh, from all what i've seen as far as his actions is he rented a, he texted his friend he sent her some pictures which god i bet you he goes god i wish i'd have thrown those in the trash mm. i wish the pictures that he found in right? 2015 he's like i should have shut just, the hell up yeah let that be if a lesson to all some, of us when yes. you come across your ex's stuff just toss it there's no you, they don't need it back they've had, they've gone without for long enough they're not asking for it do not open the can of worms. Mm-hmm. Throw it out. But aside from re- giving her the box of stuff, talking to her on the phone, and having whatever kind of a friendship, relationship, whatever they had over those years, and then renting a car and going and picking her up, mm-hmm. she's not being charged with kidnapping someone. It's not like he can be an accessory. Mm-hmm. She's being charged with the steal- the mail fraud, using getting receiving the victim's compensation money through the mail and lying to the uh, agents, which mm-hmm. he wasn't in the room for any of that. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean... If any of this was true, he'd be considered a hero. So, I mean, yeah. he's he was just doing what he, you know, he he had the he he had the the facts that he had and I don't think anybody can blame him if he believed that the, that's what was happening for trying to help her out, but Well, and if he lied to the agents, obviously he could be charged with that. Right. But he see, the tone I read in his statements was I'm through with this shit. I'll tell you anything <laughs> you want to know. Yeah. Let me go. Yeah, for sure. I mean, after that many years, like we said, you've got to be exhausted and you just yeah. want to be done with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'll get called to testify and stuff if it goes to trial, which I don't know. What do you think? What is your legal um, theory on what she going to do? You think she'll plead out? You think she'll, she'll dig in even more and take this to trial? Well, I can say if it was my client, I would say I think you should take a plea deal because, again, you could reduce the possible sentence you get. The sentencing guidelines look favorably upon a person that cooperates. And I don't think that anything good can happen from waiting till trial. I think Mm -hmm. it's so hemmed up. There's so much evidence. You have such a willing witness in Reyes. He's so willing to talk and his cousins and whoever else and such a paper trail. And she really thought she was just being so, so clever. Mm -hmm. And because again, it is such a heated story. It's a talked about story. And because she is, uh, not looked favorably upon, absent some information I don't have, which is that maybe she was diagnosed with something that could negate the mens rea of her lying to the agents, but I don't know that you really have to have a mental state like knowingly lie to an agent. Yeah, just lied to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, if there's some defense I'm not aware of, that may be what he's waiting for or just saying, well, you know, if it's going to take a couple years to get uh, to trial, we can at least drag it out and then then maybe take a plea deal. But again, if you do that, then I think you're adding days on to your sentence versus just eat the frog, take it, take the sentence, the punishment they're going to give you and take it now uh, versus you piss them off by wasting more resources mm-hmm. than you've already wasted by more dragging it out. More taxpayers dollars, yeah. Yeah, that's what I would argue. I would advise my client. I don't know that they'll do that. <laughs> Yeah, she seems like she thinks she's uh, above things. So she's smarter than everybody. Yeah, I and and unwilling to admit that she lied. So I would not be surprised if she's like, "No, we're going to trial with this." But what an idiot move if she does. If she does plead out, what do you? What would you think would be a reasonable sentence? I mean, I think they should give her a couple years and. 
definitely financial restitution. Mm-hmm. I think she should have the fine and the what the combination of fine and restitution should at the very least add up to $200,000 because that's what she the estimates that she wasted and you know making sure you know people that donated to the GoFundMe get mm-hmm. paid back and all that. I would I'd li- I don't know what I'd like to see but you know a year or two probably just I think she sadly. I I my I think she gets around 3. Yeah, maybe one to five, yeah. probably three split the difference. Mm-hmm. But uh, think about that in relation to the types of you know drug charges people are in jail on for years or life right. in prison and stuff like that. So yeah. it's just yeah, I think it's a, or people uh, that are wrongfully convicted and are on death row for stuff they didn't even do. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think there are people in jail for you know triple marijuana possession or something that's going to be in jail for a lot longer than her and mm-hmm. uh, probably look a lot different than her in, in yep. race and gender and things mm-hmm. like that. So I think this case definitely shows you disparate treatment of different types of victims. And 100%. Uh, I would hope that she's given the justice that she deserves. My hope is that and also that she just fucking owns up to what she did and comes out and tells the truth because – I mean, for selfish reasons, I want to know what, why the hell she did this. I think it's a bit like a rubber band being pulled back that the longer that she's waiting, the worse it's going to be for mm-hmm. her, that she could really take the wind out of the sails and just go, all right, I'm going to admit it. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. And it, and I think versus dragging it out longer and mm-hmm. still going, oh, she's the reason why I see my kids. James, it was James. Like, yeah. fuck you. Yeah, for sure. I mean... I can't, I don't think anybody that's of sound mental health does things like this. So I'm sure there's uh, stuff going on. Maybe it'll come out that she's been diagnosed with something, but I'd like, I I want answers and I want justice. That's what I want. And I hope that her kids are um, being protected from a lot of, of this and, are also getting the help that in therapy they need. And Keith, if he doesn't know anything about it, I, like we've said, give this man an Oscar if he did. But I, I never, I hadn't taken into consideration that perhaps now he knows stuff yeah. and didn't just then. So there's also that. Because uh, he could give a really good performance on 2020 because mm-hmm. he genuinely believed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he did, genuinely saw her. I mean, she, the, her injuries were yeah, real. She sure. did it to herself. They were yeah. real injuries. And that's still disturbing when, you know, when you see your spouse that way. And she really had lost weight and everything. And her hair was cut. So all that. She she put enough real stuff in there to get him, you know, to hook him. For sure. So he believed it. And so, yeah, who knows at what point if he was, you know, clued in or whatever. But... For his sake, again, maybe learn from your wife and shut the hell up. And if the FBI starts right. <laughs> questioning you. Would you be more hurt as Keith or more bothered by all of this if what she said had actually happened or what actually happened happened? Like, do you mean, I don't, I think he's probably happy that she wasn't truly uh, abducted and abused, I think he's probably more hurt that she abducted mm-hmm. herself. And was so with her ex and banged her face against the bathroom floor to sell this story and kept him and their kids and parents just, uh, you know, beside themselves for three weeks. Because I get that you love a spouse, but I don't have kids, so I don't know, that if your spouse hurts your kids. Oh, it's you not, know? yeah, that's, that's, that hits different. So she's tormented these children. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Man. 
Yeah, yeah. So at least I don't for know. the three weeks while she was gone. What's that? I said at least for the three weeks while she was yeah. gone, she did. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. I mean, I'm sure even since then, their life has been completely different. I mean, there's pictures of like her and Keith having pizza at a restaurant. Like there's paparazzi now that follows her. I'm hopefully her kids are are left out of it, but. They know how to use computers at this age, and you got yeah. friends at school saying shit, and yeah, it's rough. People in the neighborhood, yeah, yeah. that's true. And it's uh, the law. Lo- this is a lifelong. I mean, she gave the kids a life sentence. That yeah. now, that's that's just you're on a third date with somebody. You got to go. Tell me something I don't know about you, and you're like, well, I had to change my last name because my God mom damn. kidnapped herself and spent time in prison. When for you put to- it like that, like she really has changed these kids' lives. Yeah, she ruined their lives. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, forever. Forever, she. Cha- as as- I don't know. I I don't want to say ruin because I'd like to think they can take their lives That's back true. at some point. Marred. She's marred their marred childhood it for sure, and definitely uh, forced upon forced something upon them that they did not ask for and should not have to deal with. Agreed. Oh God, that makes me sick. That's the worst part of this, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, with her um, preliminary hearing coming up in um, just a, a few weeks, uh, we'll do an update on this. Shortly, I'm sure, probably on our Patreon. I wonder if I can poke my head in there. I saw that they specifically said in an article, everyone attending must wear a mask. So I'm like, they are expecting a turnout. Yeah, for, and that's I was true. like, I'd go if I was not there. on Zoom. Man, mm-hmm. if it was Zoom, I would poke my head in there. But mm-hmm. yeah, it is. All of her um, uh, hearings and stuff with the courts have been on Zoom so far. This is her first in person one. So uh, a lot of people are going to turn up and want to see that for sure. All right. Well, we've got, uh, we mentioned it up top of the show, but just as a reiteration, this Friday in Austin, Texas, we will be performing at the Moon Tower Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. We're super pumped. It's at the Parish Theater, Parish Venue. I don't know if they're, it's called. It's a venue. It's a venue. Yeah. I've heard it's actually um, a great venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're super awesome. excited. Tickets are available on our website. You can get um, those for 20 bucks, or you can get a whole badge for the festival and see a ton of super famous funny people. Oh, yeah. The, the list is too long to, to name, even. Mm-hmm. But there's people from SNL. There's people from other podcasts. There's stand-ups. So there's something for everyone. Mm-hmm. But we'll be there April 15th, 7.30 p.m. at Parish. In Austin, go to Sinisterhood.com slash live shows and get your ticket today. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those on the Rolling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, a special shout-out on the show, monthly bonus mini-sode, last month with Selkies, we got a good one for you coming up this month, and you also get patron-exclusive video and audio content including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, Wedded Drama, True Crime Headlines, and so much more. Patrons in the Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment each month that they would see live streamed. The next one is uh, April 21st, so you basically are in the studio with us, interacting with us as we are recording the bonus segment, and then you can watch it back or listen back on demand. It's so much fun, always. Always. 
You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. And the next one of those is on 420, 420. TBD on if Heather and I will have popped an MC beforehand. I was going to say, we should take an MC right at the beginning and then like 30 minutes and see what happens. <laughs> you can watch us devolve. Oh, yeah. That might be fun. God. Oh, and it's live. We can't change anything. That- no changes. We'll do, a, we'll do a poll at the beginning, and if the poll wins, then we'll do it. Oh, the poll is going to say do it. There's no question about it. Well, we'll see. For our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out and our thank you corner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit SinisterHood.com and click on Shop in the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod, like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood, and follow us on TikTok and YouTube. Christy, where are you at on the computer? I am on Instagram at Christy and Wallace, and I am on TikTok and Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout outs. Alexandria Trudeau. Savannah Kirk. Samantha Olson. Storm Hinks. Stephanie Haller. Veronica Crawford. Jocelyn Strader. Alani Nicholas. Alyssa Rudnicki. Lily Cash Bouchel. Kirsten Bachko. Catherine Giannakos. Megan Blaschko. Reedy. Michelle Pack. Raisinbran. Layla Murphy. Kayla Stanley. Heather Mims. Gabriella Ralph. McKenna Steiner. Amber Farrow. Jennifer Muir. Angelina. Demi. Jenna Seifert. Aaron Norwalk. Lacey Wright. Megan Bragwell. Kate Barker. Hens Wisdom. Keisha. Amy Pettit. Lily Does Moore. Kate Flukinger. Lady Lemon. Elizabeth Gunn. Katie. Jana Rogers. Katie Salza. Kayla Mines. Sierra Doyle. Teresa. Stephanie Popolares. Rachel. Addie. Andrea Lopez. Tasha Kareen. Dynamite. Michelle DeWody. Caroline Beaver. Jude Jetson. Aaron Y. Lauren Coleman. Kylie Webb. And Hallie Wilkerson. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We couldn't do this without you. We hope you pronounce your names correctly. We sincerely appreciate everything you do. Stay safe. Stay healthy, keep it creepy, and here's our thank you corner.
We would love to thank Kat Schulke for providing us with a China thimble with Charles and Diana on it for our royal collection. I love that we have a royal collection. Oh, we do. It's stacking up over here, and I love it because we have a little area in the studio for all of our fun collectibles, and it went, it found its place. I love it. We, um, she also sent two 100% cotton vintage Molly indigo scarves for when the temps drop in Texas. They are gorgeous. Love them. Thank you so much, Kat. Thank you, Kat. Yes. Also, Amber Wilcox of Blackjack Bloodhounds in Aubrey, Texas, sent us Lick, Laugh, Laugh, Love shirts. And then I got a wonderful wedding gift from Amber, and it is a monster Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. It's Pinhead Monsters, and Frankenstein is holding Bride of Frankenstein. I love it. Um, Very cute. Also, thank you to Beatrice, who sent a wonderful card. We covered Beatrice's story on one of our Patreon bonus segments. It was the one where her daughter she had put the lisa frank eyeshadow palette on her daughter and oh, the yes. aunt called her a hussy or yes or, or Jezebel. Uh, Jezebel. that's what it was mm-hmm. so she said thank you so much for particularly thank you to you christy for uh your uh motherly you know co- you were you were commiserate not commiserating but like supporting her as a fellow mom don't come for our kids <laughs> put that or on a lisa shirt frank eyeshadow palette amber put that on a shirt amber's <laughs> also the one who um she's been to so many of our shows and she gave Ella, the cutest little Loch Ness plushie um, at our last Dallas show. So, Sweet. super fan. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone. We couldn't do this without you. We love you all. Again, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. <laughs> Cine-